0: Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael.
1: Welcome to a special Lost Without Moments bonus interview episode of the Lost Without Japan podcast. Our bi-weekly podcast is focused on getting you to Japan for your first visit or to make your next adventure to Japan even better than your last. Today's special interview episode is with Jan, a member of Piranha Divers Okinawa, who pro- provide a variety of unique experiences to someone visiting Okinawa, regardless of having little to know, or even lots of experience that is just something when we did our day trip episode for those of you that had listened to it when I was talking to Okinawa that I knew that I'd have to reach out and try to get a hold of someone that is this someone today this is your director of travel for TKIC studio productions coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and his own return once more in summer 2024. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope that this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we can all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for your time and returning once more. For today's show, let me introduce a special guest and founder of Piranha Divers Okinawa and Diver Extraordinaire. I must say, Jan, that it's amazing how doing just a little bit of research for my podcast in Okinawa can really change what you're looking to do on your visit. Especially when it's stumbling across all the experiences that you have to offer. Having my plans to move to Japan a bit later in life and wanting to enjoy Japan in as many unique ways as possible before, you know, really has me constantly looking out for resources to help provide myself, the listeners of the show, with some truly unique and memorable experiences. Thank you so much for taking some time to visit our listeners today. And joining us on today's episode, before we get too far along, at least, where can listeners go to take advantage of the services that you have to offer? Or if they have some questions that maybe we don't cover uh, on our talk today, when they look to set out and set up a dive with Piranha Divers Okinawa?
2: Well, the best thing is if they just go to my website and uh, contact me through there, or of course, I'm on WhatsApp, WeChat, Skype, all of those. Thank you, my friend.
1: With our talk today, what would you like to uh, share with us, my friend, to start us off?
2: First of all, I introduce myself. I'm Jan, and uh, I'm a German person, and uh, I live since 2006. I came to Japan. Well, I'm happily married, and me and my wife, we run the dive shop, Piranha Divers, together. And obviously now, since the year, the country is open again. I would recommend everyone to come diving in Okinawa again.
1: What are some of the advantages of coming to dive in Japan and in Okinawa versus other parts of the world?
2: Right now, particularly right now, the yen is very, very low. So for everyone from elsewhere, it is a very good and reasonably priced opportunity to visit Japan. As well as we do have a lot of coral reefs here, which are still very intact as compared to some other locations in the world. You have beach entries, you have boat entries, you have a good variety. So it's a very good time and a good place. And a lot of the nature here also has recovered quite a bit during the COVID period.
1: I know that you said that you have a wife and that you are from Germany. How did you end up going from Germany to Japan and end up being kind of a, a diving guide trainer?
2: That's quite a leap, my friend. All right, that's a long story. I started diving when I was 13 or 14 in Germany. I was in a, I started in a quarry. The quarry was something like uh, four degrees Celsius, which is, I believe 40 Fahrenheit or something like that. Very cold. And, but you know, when you're 14, then everything is awesome. Um, I kept doing diving as a hobby back then. And when I finished school in 2003, I couldn't really find a job or I couldn't find a job which really interested me or like an apprenticeship which what is kind of common in Germany. But I found this ad in a diving magazine and uh, that they looked for some people in Egypt and I I didn't really speak English well at the time. So I went to Egypt and, uh, this kind of like dive master apprenticeship over there that had a lot of problems and issues. And of course I was young and naive as well, but somehow I made it work. So I, I ended up becoming a dive master there within five and a half months period. But also I met my wife in Egypt which at the time was traveling through Africa on her own. And um, she just happened to stay at the same hotel and we just got to know each other, just like friends basically. And we both didn't speak English really, (laughs) but we could listen to punk rock together, which, yeah, that connected us back then. Not, not so much diving. That's not really her thing, or particular back then. So we traveled a little bit together in Africa and all this stuff. Uh, And I went to Cairo together with her, I mean, and. Well, at some point it was time for me to return to Germany and she had to move on back to Tokyo to get a job. And I had to work a little bit more in Germany to do these back then mandatory civil service. It's not anymore, but back then, right. And after that, I got a working holiday visa or work and travel is called sometime. I think it's available for a lot of Europeans or Asian people, Canadians, not Americans, unfortunately. But I had this visa and uh, I went to Australia and I did a bit more diving. I went to Greece and I did a bit more diving and, and worked all around there. In Australia, I learned English, or at least a lot of English. And, um, after I collected some experience traveling, I said like, all right, cool. Uh, I want to go to Japan now. I mean, I already knew, knew her. Right. And, uh, in between sometime I traveled back and forth to Japan, that, that visa, the working holiday visa enables one to stay one year in Japan. And you can well, work and travel as the name of the visa date. And well, after half a year, we just got married. Since that time, January 2007, we got married. And uh, uh, I'm here now. And that's 16 years or something like that.
1: My friend, that's amazing. Uh, you know, just from a, a back of a magazine uh, and a chance encounter at a uh, hotel, uh, That that's a wonderful story, my friend. I love that a hundred times over. That's great. I know you said originally that she was in Tokyo. How did you both kind of make it out to Okinawa and have a business uh, that you're running uh, out in that area as well? Essentially, I
2: lived in Tokyo together with her in a really tiny apartment. Back then, because of the language differences, of which we both didn't really speak so well, um, she was always... So to, to her flat, she was also always referring to her house or something. And I just like imagined like, as a house and then it was like a, like a little tiny hotel room. <laughs> and uh, essentially sometimes on, on particular weekends, when some friends came over and stayed there, we were like eight people in a little tiny room. It's like, oh my God, is that actually possible in Tokyo? <laughs> so I lived together with her in Tokyo for like nine months. And after that, we moved to Niigata where she is from originally that is also the location where my daughter has been born my first daughter in, in niigata what do you call it like a farmhouse or something like yeah yeah, their farmers originally like they have a rice farm there uh niigata is really famous for its rice apparently the emperor gets its rice from there and because the water is so nice and clear but anyway i mean like most people in this world it gets a bit of dull if you are in-laws after a while and you just kind of want to get out of there so we just thought okay well Diving is what I do or what i wanted to keep doing. And, uh, we're in Japan would be the best place to keep doing that. All right, let's go to Okinawa. And yes, I have been to Okinawa for two weeks before that, but that's it. I think internet existed already, but, uh, so we just kind of found something online. Yep. Looks good. This apartment and, and all that stuff. And we just rented something online and we just went and all right, now we live here.
1: You have uh, no fear, it seems like sometimes, my friend, with, you know, making a a jump and and going for it. It's turned out, uh, you know, wonderful in a lot of different ways. So I could see why you might want to keep on doing that. (laughs) You know, very nice.
2: Yeah, so essentially that was quite a bit of an adventure, particularly having a young daughter with two or three months old. And uh, it's very hot here, of course, in the summer. And you have... But public transport, that's something which we didn't consider back then. And I mean, we are both new parents at the time and we didn't really consider all that. Even then we got a car, but uh, like i worked at a couple of different dive shops and uh, I wanted to kind of go home because we had just one car at the time. And my boss just say, but you have a wife, you don't need to go shopping. And
1: (laughs) you're like, what?
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I mean. He came around and now he's a very nice guy and he learned a lot of English in different cultures by now. But, uh, back then that was kind of like commenting, what do you mean you want to go home or share the car with your wife? She can just stay home and you go shopping whenever you're done here. So that took quite a bit of adjusting to in the early beginnings. I kept working at a a few different dive shops. First, I worked for a uh, Japanese company, which I then found out through, also through the internet back then when I just Googled uh, Okinawa diving and I just worked there and being a bit of a hothead and having different opinions that didn't work out for maybe for six months, I could do that or something or like a season basically. After that, hang on. Yeah, I worked for uh, like a discover scuba diving company. Discover Scuba Diving basically stands for is like, unfortunately the main business model for a lot of diving companies here in Okinawa is basically uh, offering uh, first time diving experiences to, uh, to people who are not really able to swim or, or like able to carry their gear or pretty so everything which I don't really stand for. Basically, drag people by their tank through the water. You had like four or five dives per day and 20 to 30 people. And it was like a very impersonal experience. And well, I worked there, and well, that wasn't really the thing for me going on. I think one day I was sick, or I've gotten sick and had a fever of like a 39, 40 uh, degrees Celsius. I guess that's over a hundred in American in freedom units. And basically, my wife called my boss for me because of language issues, and he just said, "Yep, don't need come anymore. You're done. So fired on the spot for being sick." Even then complaining with the labor office and all that stuff, it didn't really get me anywhere. Anyway, I worked for an American company like uh, for like some kind of uh, guy who was like ex special forces and well, that was nice because I could finally speak English. I mean before I was learning Japanese by doing, and underwater, you don't need to talk that much, so that's a good thing. that's why I could do it. So in a Japanese company, people usually did the briefings and the explanations in Japanese, and then I was just the guy who was dragging people underwater. Finally, I could do more things in, in English. That was also a challenge because while communication was easier, I think the guy was like, uh, "Well, how could you say, uh, he, he brought his issues from the war to Okinawa and, uh, he snapped and just like, uh, was screaming around like a lot and then like, yep, everything is fine again. The university was coming to my village and the uh, uh, university of OIST or Okinawa Institute of Science Technology, which is now getting really big and is still building since over 10 years. And, but at the time that was, I think in yeah, around the Lehman brother crisis, 2007, around that time I was there end of 2007, early 2008. At that time I had some customers of the researchers and scientists from the university which were just moving here and at the time they could only dive with that guy in English and uh, I had to take them out and they said, they said to me something to the extent of, well, I bet you can do that better than him. (laughs) So I just went for it. I booked a petty instructor class in, in Thailand for, I think that was winter 2008 or something like that. And. Then early 2009, I started with Piranha Divers, like I became an instructor. Before that, I was just a dive master or assistant instructor. I booked the instructor class and right now I'm doing my own stuff. And we rented a place, like an apartment and it had a little bit of a backyard, really tiny, maybe five by five meters or something. And I just bought some used scuba gear initially and it took a while because I had to take a loan. I was really, really broke at the time. I have to say that too. So I took a loan to buy some gear and what I thought is like, it's not really that important how amazing you are or, or how not amazing you are or what gear you use or what you believe in. It's more like if you have a really nice website, then people will be intrigued and people will come then living there two, three years. And then we bought a house in this area and uh, moved the shop a little bit. Uh, now i'm
1: here what still excites you the most about living in japan
2: oh that's a difficult question because well first of all you have a really nice weather here a good climber so right now it's november and no sorry it's december already wow and i can sit here pretty much in a t-shirt and uh, short trousers or something thin so I mean, I'm not sweating, but, uh, I'm not cold either, the mild climber. I do like rural Japan, so I'm not really into big cities and lots of party and, and all that stuff. I don't know how to deal with that. But as I mentioned earlier, I do like it quiet and I don't want to have a lot of drama or rethink my life every now and then. So I can just, you know, I may be a little bit like all these, uh, like this kind of like Mark Zuckerberg, I wear every day a t-shirt and trousers, like always the same. I don't need to think about what I'm wearing. And so I was like, I'm like a creature of habit, so to speak. And, uh, basically I wake up every day and it's the same. Japan is uncommonly a low tech country, uh, I think, and, uh, but it's exporting a lot of technology, but the people here doesn't seem to use it really a lot. I mean, unless you think Instagram is high tech. <laughs> um, but everything is like the same way it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I mean, I have seen pictures from Okinawa, like just after the end of the war and it was pretty much exactly the same as it is now. Basically, you had a couple of nicer streets. Uh, now you have a couple of nicer streets or bigger streets, more cars and a couple of nicer buildings. But other than that, it seems pretty similar to what it was back. And while to me that may be a curse. It is also a blessing.
1: I can definitely see that. And I I guess it's safe to say with you living in Japan uh, for as long as you have, that you pretty much consider that home, I guess. Am I correct?
2: Oh, yes, definitely home. So basically, I left Germany when I was 17. And then, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I went to Egypt and I was in Australia and a couple of places. I think when I was 21, I came to Japan. So these three half, four years, I was on and off in Germany, but mostly elsewhere. So you could say traveling, learning, diving, whatsoever. But, uh, so I left at 17, but now I'm 17 years in Japan. I'm 38 now. So half the life in Germany, the other half in Japan and four years in between, just somewhere. Now, recently I moved the dive shop to my house during COVID. So basically my house and the shop is the same place now before it was not another location which i had to give up
1: one of the things we talked about as well uh, and that came up in my research i think is one that you put down for an answer to a favorite travel hack for okinawa and i think it is a must uh with renting a car uh could you talk to us a little bit about that
2: yeah, so Okinawa is basically like, it's not really good. There's no not a lot of public transport, or at least not a very good public transport. So I do strongly recommend anyone visiting to rent a car and make sure that they have a license, which is valid here in Okinawa. So I know that some people from Europe, they have to have a license translation, but that's really from country to country. It's a bit diffi- uh, different. So I I strongly recommend to get that booked ahead of time because sometimes there are just not enough cars available, even though there are more cars in Okinawa than people living here. But make sure you book a car ahead of time, make sure that your license is valid and that you are able to get a car. That's the best way to, to explore Okinawa. That's a really important thing, I think, to visit.
1: It's huge. It's huge, my friend. We're, we're joking like you can't walk it, so it's, <laughs> it's
2: for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I, have, I have met a lot of people, like, uh, and they come to these, uh, maybe they booked a really nice uh, hotel somewhere, booking.com or similar, and uh, the next restaurant is like two kilometers down the road by taxi, but there is no nothing. Not having a car can make a really perfect holiday or honeymoon or whatever reasons people visit here can transform that in a nightmare. Particular, it's really getting really, really hot here during the days. And as I mentioned earlier, already picks, pickups are available for diving, but not always possible depending on the, where someone stays. So it's not just the diving it's also you drive to locations quite, quite far, almost as far as up to Cape Hato, the most Northern point of Okinawa. So I get to see the island and experience that like particular in the summer, almost every single day which I do really appreciate.
1: If you have someone listening, let's imagine there's a 17 year old, you 21 year old, you somewhere in the world Mm. uh, that was thinking I might like to lead dives or train other divers, maybe get into diving in Okinawa as my job. What recommendation or advice would you give to them if they were looking to uh, come by you?
2: Well, there's a few answers to these uh, questions or a few parts there. Well, if you just want to come like me, then you have to have, uh, what do you say? Girls, you have to bite. You can't shy away from people not going to like you just like that. (laughs) Particular Okinawa, it's like, uh, I remember when I just started here, they had the boats and like in Okinawa, when you want to go to boat diving, you have to go on uh, a boat of a local fisherman here, right? And these people, they always look a bit grumpy and uh, I mean, but they have a monopoly. So you have to go out with them, Never mind, And you have to follow their rules. Particular older people and Okinawan people, they may have an issue with foreigners, not because of their their particular racist or particular something. They're not particular anything. I think people here maybe are afraid of, uh, of change, first of all, and That what you may feel in the rest of the world is just common, that you can solve a problem with money. It doesn't necessarily work here. So if you want to come here, you shouldn't be afraid of getting some wind in your face. I can teach you up to instructor or I can teach people up to instructor level if they wanted to. But it's really hot here and and, uh, you need to drive and it's it's hard to find an apartment. And uh, it is inconvenient to be here. And I mean, if you like to have an inconvenient life and if you want to have challenges, then of course it's great to be here. But, uh, often people ask me if I can sponsor them and, uh, technically I could, if they were already experienced, but at the same time I can, or I guess as a small family business, I cannot pay a salary, which is like, uh, Varants a sponsorship, so therefore um, the easiest way to get to Japan and live here and work here and diving is probably if you if you find a Japanese person to marry. <laughs> yeah, I would claim that. <laughs> I mean, of course there are different options like like a like a business sponsorship where you could get your own visa from that point and so, but uh, not sure if you want to start that. Well, or of course you could do as a working holiday maker with similar style of visa and work for a season. So that could work, but also one of the biggest challenges I have here is, well, maintain the staff. So people do work a season. Generally it's a young people's job. (laughs) And so they work a season or two and then they're just tired or they maybe start a a real life or something in an office job somewhere else in the world and choose to not be a bum in diving anymore. Even though I don't believe it's a bum job. I think it's a, a job with a lot of responsibility. And it takes time and not everybody just went back to a normal job, but also a lot of my former employees started their own businesses. So, but of course, of course, for, for all the people who listen, I, I would say if, if you want to work here or if you want to live here, then feel free to ask me. It's very dependent on your personal circumstances and age, of course, and level of training or what you have and what you want to be. Then I'm, I may be able to help. I may be not yeah let's just go from there
1: with you being in okinawa and just having so much diving experience as well what is a good recommendation for a diver uh someone that's looking to come and explore uh what what you have to offer
2: well basically the the diving i offer is is not that very uh, because i mentioned already the boats and all that stuff and being run by the local fishermen and so so the diving itself is not that different from other people. I do, but, uh, or what other businesses may offer, but what I think I'm really good at and, and motivated to teach is always like, uh, I do like uh, to teach like specialty courses, maybe solo diving or side mount diving or dive master instructor, like, you know, like specialty courses, like to kind of like being really niche. So to speak, I mean, I, of course I teach everything, but, um, uh, that would be something which I would really enjoy to teach people to be able to very focus on some uh, particular like, skill in diving. Yeah. In Okinawa, you basically can, uh, you can dive a lot of locations um, between really shallow and really easy and nice, but you can also have some very challenging points like the, uh, for example, the American warship in the Northern point of Corey Island. Called the USS Emmons, which is one of my favorite dive sites here in Okinawa. I think it's uh, the bottom is at 45 meter. That's let me. I reckon 160 feet or something like that. So so yeah, it's not it's not for someone who just started out diving. But once you got like thirty dives experience, and so then uh, I would take people there. That's yeah, Cape Hedo. That's also very very beautiful in the very north of Okinawa. Sometimes drift diving. And uh, has has also like like a like a Hedo Dome, which is like a cave thing. The good thing about Okinawa is there's something for everyone. And even on a day when the weather is bad, meaning usually strong wind and uh, lots of waves, then there are locations which are a bit protected, and uh, where one could keep doing training, or where one could keep diving, even though uh, the main coast isn't really accessible on that day.
1: What do you have to offer someone who is? actually you know experienced or looking for some more challenging classes or dives
2: so yeah for experienced people i would go for the advanced course or rescue course and yeah, rescue that's something which people always overlook uh, in in the system i teach sdi one can actually just skip the advanced course and go straight to rescue and on way more Uh And, um, not only learn how to rescue people, but also how to prevent rescues. That is something which I would almost recommend to every, everyone who is, uh, has some basic dive experience is very useful (laughs) as well as like maybe a deep diver specialty course or, or so. And in terms of fun diving, as I mentioned already earlier, like the, the shipwreck the Ammons or, um, the Hader dome, that would be really good for someone who, who has already a little bit of diving experience. Yeah, for beginners, obviously, I would just go for training, take the STI open water class and learn how to dive. That takes a minimum of three days, but obviously, I would recommend having a few more days available.
1: What is something that one of our listeners might not expect to see when they end up booking a dive with your company and actually arrive there?
2: Oh, that's a good one. It is a very remote place here. So, um, as I mentioned earlier already, uh, the island is a bit inconvenient. So people sometimes come here about, wow, it took me three hours to get here by bus from the airport and that's only 40 kilometer or like, I don't know, 20 miles or something, 30 miles. So it's all, it's, it's a bit like that and uh, transportation takes long. And I mean, even I'm busy, but busy isn't like some. Resort in Cancun or whatever busy is like having four or five people at the same time. <laughs> so it's not really busy, busy. <laughs> it's just because everything is with a lot of driving in between diving locations. I mean, if I teach a course, I can't go with someone else fun diving during the same time because <laughs> I have to focus on that one thing. But also, but you can dive all year around in Okinawa. At the same time, the best time to dive here would maybe be from around late March, early April until like late October, maybe. And then often the wind changes. So during, during the summer months, basically the wind comes from the Philippines and you have lots of nice warm water and uh, yeah, shorts time. Basically you don't need a wetsuit or like a shorty wetsuit maybe. And then in the winter months, the wind comes from Russia and um, brings colder waters and winds down here. Yeah, I think people maybe underestimate how remote and how far Okinawa is from everywhere and how much time it takes to drive around and uh, they don't really see that Okinawa is still an island but it's like hundred twenty kilometers long. <laughs> so they think, oh yeah, the airport is just ten minutes, can you pick me up there? I was like, sorry, I can't pick you up there if you if you live in Naha or near the airport because that's like uh, it's a fifty kilometer drive and that takes you like I don't know, it takes me ninety minutes in one direction and so i can't spend four times 90 minutes to get there to get to back to the dive site and then to drop you off and back home says so can't do it <laughs> so i would strongly recommend for uh, divers to stay somewhere near my dive shop and of course i would really help them uh, or i would be happy to help them with uh, whatever budget there is um some accommodation planning or like some ideas
1: one thing i saw in your reviews is some mention of uh, your equipment uh, what can you tell me about what's the differences between the equipment that you use versus some equipment that you might come across at other uh, dive companies?
2: What I noticed a lot, particularly when the um, the Yen was stronger, well, that generally speaking, diving in Japan is or was more expensive than maybe in other countries at the time. When I started out particular, like, uh, you know, in 2009, and I... Even though Japan is the second or third biggest industry country in the world, a lot of dive companies here, they they have this kind of factory, factory style of diving, like dragging people through the water. You know, what I did initially before I started Piranha and, um, the equipment sometimes had mold on them and looked really green and like not, not really nice and not really safe. So you have a lot of people wearing really fancy clothes coming somewhere from Tokyo for like almost like a day trip. It looked uh, to experience Okinawa and then they dive with the stuff which looks so well ugly. So I was thinking because I'm really into the whole gear stuff. I like I like gear maintenance. I like to to tinker with it and build something and uh, and keep it in good shape. So I thought, well, I maintain my stuff and I clean it up and I dry it properly. And I don't know if the listeners know what it is, but uh, I do use wing BCDs with plates. And it's a little bit uh, derived from the technical diving style. So like there yeah, are different types of gear, of course, lots of them. So wing BCDs, I think it comes from cave diving. It's a very common thing in America. Like all the stuff I use comes from a company in Florida, Dive Right to be exact. And uh, I will import it from there. And customers sometimes are surprised a little bit, and uh, but usually they're very happy because they have lots of um, space in front of them, not all that bulky stuff. And uh, it's very smooth diving and it's very easy to do buoyancy with. So for me, it's really good to do maintenance because it's like a modular system. Think of a bit of like a Lego thing. You can add an item or you can take an item off or you can can change something, maybe the harness, for example, to, to carry it if that is worn out. So it always looks nice. But in another unit, maybe you have to get rid of the whole unit and then replace it because it's just it's that one thing. But in my case, I can, uh, I can replace parts or I can maintain that. So it always stays nice. And I think customers do really appreciate that.
1: And I know people can go to your website to look at pricing. What might be an average range of price uh, for someone that was looking to come and dive with you?
2: Well, for the open water course, it would be somewhere around the $500 range for an open water course or 550 maybe, and uh, something like that. I mean, obviously my prices are in Japanese yen, but for the sake of this podcast, I'd say an open water course for three days, is, it's a bit more than 500 bucks. And by the day of fun diving would be, um, so if you're already certified, that would be somewhere around 200 bucks. So I mean, whatever the conversation rate is 200 bucks gets you all the gear you need. It gets you two or three dives, even from the boat. So, um, I, I believe that's not that different to whatever one pays in America or in, in other parts of the world. So it's, it's very similar to that. I mean, for people who are really, really price minded, there are of course, um, other operators who do like, I don't know, for nothing, but as always you get what you
1: pay for. The older I get, the, the, the more that that's reinforced on a, <laughs> a regular basis, my friend. Sometimes it is. With your uh, business and things like that, is there anything else that you'd like to share in regards to uh, your offerings or anything that you'd want to make people aware of? Yes,
2: I'm looking for stuff and, uh, <laughs> or people who want to train here and then maybe live here. And that's uh, the occurring thing. It's something I need people and I can't find people really. If there's someone here listening who is, uh, let's say, somewhere under 30 for visa reasons, usually, and uh, wants to give diving a shot in Okinawa, then contact me by all means. But again, no sponsorship.
1: What would you be looking for in an employee then uh, that was reaching out to contact you? Like, what would they need to to bring to the table?
2: Well, it would be great if they speak English, first of all. It's a little bit depend on their timing and how much time they have. Well, if somebody wants to just train, which they could do in a tourist visa, I mean, I could teach someone to be a dive master also from from zero to nothing in, in three months, which is okay to do in Japan as a tourist. I'm happy to, to hire people who are inexperienced if they're patient. And uh, so, so basically it sounds weird, but I, I am looking for people who really want to be here. So what I learned in the past is that, uh, when, when I had employees in the first two weeks, they gave like 120% they're all up there and they're all super motivated. And then after a month when they visited the same dive site for maybe three, four times, or also, or maybe 20 times or whatever. And then suddenly their motivation dropped all in the basement or something because it's like (laughs) reoccurring obviously as in any kind of job in this world it is re it's a reoccurring thing so you have to do it again and again and again but uh, yeah i would look for someone who is patient and uh, maybe is a bit interested in the culture so i think in, in, in in japan in general you don't really go for being angry or not angry or or being very emotional about something it's just like even me now, after that many years staying here, I'm just recently learning how, how people tick in a certain way.
1: We were also talking about uh, goals for 2024 and beyond. Is there anything you'd like to share about um, your business as well?
2: Oh, yes. So my, my goals would be that uh, I really would like to, to open a guest house. I mean, I'm not sure if I will be able to do that in 2024, but uh, I will certainly work towards it as a goal and uh, what I really would like to do, particularly in a uh, in a society or w- worldwide where everybody is hanging permanently on their phone and uh, like, I mean, I have sometimes had people like not being able to listen to my dive briefings because they're always on their phone or like they share that life to their followers or something. I really would like to make a place where um, where people can meet people from around the world that I can provide a similar experience. Like when I met my wife in Egypt. I mean, we didn't have phones, which we always were on there all the time. So that we can just, that I can create a place where people could go diving. And, uh, but at the same time, also they could meet other people from other places and maybe not as much, uh, as always being online or not so much wifi, maybe play some board games and, uh, have a bar and, uh, all that, like, you know, fun stuff, <laughs> which is not always necessarily online. <laughs> so that, that is something which I would like to do for the future. so that piranha drivers is not necessarily just piranha drivers but maybe also piranha stay and piranha this and piranha that, and uh, yeah that would be something i really would like to create a place where people could actually be like not just physically be but also mentally be love it
1: love it my friend that i will get both of that into what we have that's perfect i like it yeah and thank you so much uh With everyone, uh, once again, uh, where could listeners of Lost Without Japan uh, find you, support you, and just, you know, reach out in general?
2: Generally, they can find me again on my website. I don't really do social media. I just, during COVID, got rid of all of that because it made me feel bad. (laughs) And I I suggest other people to do the same. Not really good for business. So anyway, find me on my website, find me on WhatsApp, find me on uh, WeChat, uh, Skype and Google and all of that and shoot me a message and uh, you can also find my phone number there and then go from there. Excellent. I will then direct possible diaries to anywhere.
1: Appreciate my friend. Hopefully, I I will have hope then that we have a listener uh, that is looking to fit your need. can take some of that weight off your chest as you're trying to get everything going on i understand like you know taking care of take care of your family first and you know get your business going and i look forward to you know keeping in touch and seeing how uh things keep on improving for you my friend
2: all right i'm sure they will i am very confident they will but yeah it's it's tough sometimes (laughs) but uh it's also fun I think the whole thing is a bit like a, you know, it's like a bit of a computer game. If everything was to be easy, it's like having a cheat in a game. So that way you can just uh, play and you see how it turns out. And sometimes you repeat and you keep on going again and again and again until you can get there where you want to go.
1: I agree, my friend. Thank you again so much, uh, Jan, for joining us today. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. This request is going out quite a bit early, but I really want to give as much of a chance as possible for listeners of the show to be part of the show's three year celebration this upcoming summer. For that reason, I'm going to start requesting an audio recording or a written story that we will include in that episode that can be about your favorite story from a Japan trip that you've done. Maybe it's just something you're looking forward to doing, like taking diving with Jan. Uh, Maybe you're going to. Talk about just anything that you've enjoyed about our show and episodes we've covered. So, anything that you have in that realm, please feel free to email an audio file or just email me directly at lostwithoutjapan at gmail.com. Your response. I truly look forward to celebrating this special event with you, and I can't wait to read or hear what you end up choosing to share with the show. On behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview. We look forward to seeing you on board again for our next regularly scheduled episode as we continue our discussion on Japan, travel, culture, and your lost without moments. To everyone out there, oh, ginky day. Stay well, my friends.
0: Come